The Atlanta Braves left their bats in Atlanta after unable to score against the Miami Marlins on Monday night, and they lose an opportunity to clinch the NL East. We'll talk about that and what the Braves need to do on Tuesday to get the job done. All of that on a Tuesday episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. Check out the Locked On Sports Atlanta app on Roku and Amazon Fire. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Also, if you are watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, as well as the thumbs up button and the notification bell so you get notified whenever we post a new episode. And thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen each and every day. Unfortunately, the Braves weren't able to get it done on Monday night as they fall 4 to nothing to the Miami Marlins, and the Nats and, uh, Nats and Mets game was canceled as well. So uh, Braves aren't able to clinch the division on Monday, but have another opportunity on Tuesday. On this podcast, we'll recap everything from Monday's game, talk about Bryce Selder's performance, the lack of offense from the Atlanta Braves, maybe a little bit of a hangover effect for the Braves. We'll discuss all that and then set you up for Tuesday's game where – Jake Odorizzi will have an opportunity to close things out for the Atlanta Braves in the NL East. Like I said, on Monday, just wasn't there. Um, a bit understandable why you would hope that the Braves would, you know, come back ready to go after, after a big weekend and shut things down. Look, it's human nature to maybe have a little bit of a hangover effect after such an emotional weekend, after a late night of travel, getting in, you know, close to 4 a.m. on Monday morning, turning around and then playing the Miami Marlins. So understand, again, a little bit of human nature is kind of a little more difficult to get up for that type of game, but there's still so much to play for. So, you know, hopefully get a good night's rest on Monday, come back in Tuesday and get it done. We'll talk about that a little bit more later, but they also faced a really good pitcher on Monday night, and I talked about this on Monday's podcast, Jesus Lazardo, a very good young pitcher. I know the Braves had had a little bit of success against him in his two previous starts against the Braves this year, but he just seems to be getting better as the season go is going with a top prospect for the Oakland Athletics. So it's another good young pitcher. The Marlins have a lot of them, so – Again, with all the, the outside circumstances the Braves faced, coming off an emotional high, late night of travel, facing a very good pitcher who strikes out a lot of batters, you can kind of understand why the offense was a little bit sluggish. You wish that wasn't the case, but certainly what we saw on Monday night, no runs, just four hits, one walk, and 14 strikeouts. But even with all that, the Braves had plenty of opportunities in this game. They just couldn't get that big hit. A lot of it because of all those strikeouts. They were over 8 with runners in scoring position, left 5 on base. 
no home runs, just one double. We've talked all year about the fact when those extra base hits aren't coming, really hard for the Braves to to get runs. They're not great at manufacturing them, but when they're getting the home runs, they're getting the extra base hits like we saw in that Mets series over the weekend, that's when this offense gets rolling. But really, it was just missed opportunities in this game. Again, not a lot of hits, not a lot of walks, but the ones they did have, they usually came to start an inning where you thought maybe it would begin a rally, but they just could not get that other hit. In the first inning, the Marlins gave you an error, gave you a free base runner. You had two on, nobody out, and then strikeouts by Michael Harris, Austin Riley, and Matt Olson. Just can't happen from your three, four, and five hitters when you get two on, nobody out, especially guys with the speed of Acuna and Swanson. That just cannot happen. And again, Luzardo, a good pitcher, a good strikeout pitcher. I understand it. You gotta, you gotta put the ball in play there. You gotta make something happen. And the Braves couldn't do that in that first inning. And I want to talk about Michael Harris for just a second here. Really bad at bat in that first inning. Again, two out, nobody on. Swung at three straight pitches, all of them out of the zone. Now a couple of them were were very close, but all of them out of the zone. Maybe the rookie trying to do a little too much right there, but that was a quick strikeout. And since moving to the three-hole, which I'm not saying the three-hole has anything to do with it, but in his last five games, he has just two hits. Both of those were infield hits. Now, he had some good swings over the in, over the weekend that I mentioned and just some bad luck, but he also has seven strikeouts over those five games as well, including including two in each of the last two games. So, Again, maybe a little bit of a cold spell here for the rookie who, by the way, just won his third Rookie of the Month award and is likely going to be your NL Rookie of the Year. He's been amazing for the Braves. I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm just pointing out the fact that over the last five games, he's gone a little bit cold. Now, the Braves also had a leadoff single in the third inning and then a tough luck double play on a ball that was absolutely scolded by Dansby Swanson at 105.4 miles per hour, went right to the shortstop who let it take a little hop off the ground and scooped it up for an easy double play. There were some instances like that in this game where the Braves squared up some baseballs and just some bad luck. Um, I know there's a, a line out to, to first base later in the game. Um, Robbie Grossman had a great ball. He hit in the gap that was caught. So there was a little bit of bad luck in this game as well, but still, Plenty of opportunities, couldn't come away with a big hit. Had a leadoff walk to start the fourth inning. Strikeout, strikeout, ground out. Again, um, just more strikeouts after getting runners on early in the inning. You had a one-out double in the fifth, and then you had a good swing by Grossman, which I just mentioned a minute ago, but a line out to right center. It did move the runner to third base, but we're unable to bring him in as Acuna struck out on a 3-2 fastball right down the middle at 97 miles per hour. Now, look, there, there's been a lot of crazy comments, in my opinion, going around on Twitter about Acuna and him being a hole in the lineup. I've gone on record as saying the Braves need Acuna in the lineup. They need Acuna to be Acuna. But he is three for his last 20. All three of those hits came in one game, and two of those hits were pretty soft. One was a dribbler down the third baseline. One was a, ch a check swing that dropped into right field. So Acuna certainly himself in a bit of a dry spell, almost thinking maybe he needs time off. It feels like 
you know, he gets time off, he comes back and he, he sets the world on fire. And then he starts to cool off a little bit, as you might expect a guy coming off major surgery. So I think if anything, winning this division, getting that time off could do Acuna a lot of good going into the postseason, getting him some more rest because he has been struggling here, like I said, over his last 20 at bats. Some guy, one guy not struggling right now is Dansby Swanson. He had a leadoff double in the sixth inning and then strikeout, strikeout, strikeout once again by your three, four, five hitters in the lineup. That just cannot happen. And then nothing doing in the last three innings. They went down one, two, three. But early in this game, they had opportunities early in the innings and just couldn't get anything going offensively. Uh, I mentioned Robbie Grossman. I want to talk about him again because I think he and Eddie Rosario are going to be battling out for this left field job. And I thought Grossman was one of the highlights of the night. He had two really good swings, one of them for a hit. One of them, like I said, got caught in the right center field gap, but it still was a really good swing. And he also had a nice running catch in this game, similar to the play that Eddie Rosario didn't make last Friday. So, but Grossman got this start because Lazardo's a lefty, and that's really what Grossman was originally brought over to do is to face lefties. So I get that's why he was in there. We'll see what happens going forward because, like I said, Rosario, you know, I know he had a good little stretch there, but did not show up at all in that Met series, and the at-bats were just terrible. You know Grossman's probably going to give you at least one or two good at-bats a game, and the defense is a little bit better than what you get with Rosario. So – for me, that's going to be something to watch here down the stretch going into the postseason. What does Snicker do in left field? Does he stick with Rosario against righties and Grossman's against lefties, or does he go strictly for Grossman no matter who is pitching? That'll be something to watch. And then just one more time to, to highlight how bad the offense was on Monday. Riley and Olsen, who have been good over the last week or so, starting to heat up, 0 for 8 with 7 strikeouts. Riley looked completely lost at the plate, just taking pitches in the strike zone, swinging at pitches outside the strike zone. So not a typical typical game for him. The at-bats just weren't good. And I talked about over the weekend how great the at-bats were. You could see the difference on Monday night. The, the batters up there just looked clueless at times. And I'm not taking anything away from Luzardo, who, as I said, is a very good pitcher. But it just did not seem like the focus was there like we saw over the weekend. So, Hopefully a good night's rest, come back out on Tuesday, get the bats fired up again, but they were not there on Monday. Bryce Elder lost a little bit of magic on Monday, but I think when you look at the numbers, he wasn't as bad as maybe his final line suggests. We'll talk about that more next. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your football betting info this season, find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline re remains your co continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Bryce Elder was looking to continue the magic that he had over his last four starts. Unfortunately, it was just not there on Monday. A couple things didn't go his way. You look at his final line, five innings, six hits, one walk, four earned, five strikeouts, 98 pitches. 
look for a fifth starter, which is essentially what he is for the Braves, a fourth, fifth starter. Not the worst outing in the world. I mean, he did a good job of settling down and keeping the team in the game. Obviously, he wants to be a little better. Braves want it to be a little better. Not really matter on a night where your offense can't score anything. Defense didn't help him out much in the first inning, had a couple of errors in that inning. Velocity was down a little bit as well, which is interesting. It was down over one mile per hour. But he had a little trouble commanding that sinker early on, which I think led to him giving up some of those hits. But you look at the average exit velocity on balls in play from Bryce Elder, 85 miles per hour. That's really good. Only four hard hit balls allowed. And you look at the three hits he allowed in the first inning, all of them were either on the edge of the strike zone or outside of the strike zone. So sometimes you just got to tip your cap. Sometimes balls on play just don't go your way. It went the way of the Marlins on Monday night, didn't go the way of the Braves on the balls they actually put in play. So a little bit of, of misfortune there for Bryce Elder, I think. The balls he that were put in play against him weren't hit very hard, but they were just hit in the right place. And again, they were good pitches on the edges of the strike zone. In the third inning, however, the homer and double he gave up, those were mistakes. Those were out over the middle of the plate. They got hit pretty hard. But for the most part, I think Bryce Elder was still pretty solid in this game. He really started to find it in that fourth and fifth inning. Those were his best innings overall, in my opinion. So, again, you look at it, five innings, four runs. Not a great start from Bryce Elder, especially with what we've been accustomed to seeing from him against the Marlins and the Nationals. But I think when you dive into it, it really wasn't that bad of a start. Some batted ball luck, a couple of errors early on, a little bit you know, off with his command, but only one walk, which you'll take all the time from Bryce Elder. Um, so again, certainly not what he was hoping for, not what the Braves were hoping for. But I think when you dive into it, not the worst start from Bryce Elder. And the stuff looked pretty good, especially later on in the outing. But again, the Braves' bullpen was great. And even the B unit that Snicker used on Monday, look, you knew you knew the top guys weren't going to be available. Snicker had to use a lot of his best bullpen arms in every game over the weekend. So you knew there was going to be no Jansen, no Iglesias, likely no Mentor. Um, you know, probably wanted to avoid McHugh and maybe even Lee. So you knew there weren't going to be a lot of bullpen guys available in this one. It was going to be on Bryce Seller to try to get through as many innings as he could, and he did a good job of getting through five innings after throwing a lot of pitches early. But still, the B unit for the Braves bullpen, Matzik, Chavez, and Bracho, finished it off. Both Matzik and Chavez allowed a couple of base runners but were able to escape. And they kept the team you know, in the game, gave them a chance to come back late. Unfortunately, the offense just – couldn't get anything going, but uh, still got to give some props to the bullpen who came in, did their job, and kept them in the game to at least give them a chance. Same for Elder. So, again, nothing on the pitching side. You know, again, a little sluggish early, a couple of errors. I think let Elder down some, but pitching was not the problem in this game. Offense just wasn't there. Uh, the bats got left in Atlanta for some reason, but hopefully they get it back together and come out Tuesday ready to swing and put up some runs. We'll talk about that next. On Tuesday night, it'll be Jake Odorizzi uh, versus Braxton Garrett. So 
Look, I've gone on record after his last two starts saying that's it for Jake Odorizzi. We're not going to see him again. And yet here we are, the Braves looking to clinch an NL East division title, and it's Jake Odorizzi on the mound. So need one good start from you. That's all I need. Just give me one good start. Give me five innings, two earned or less. You know, I don't feel like that's too much to ask against a Marlins team. So I just need one good start from Jay Coderizzi, and it can make up for a lot of bad starts that he's had in a Braves uniform. But let's talk about Braxton Garrett first. Six shutout innings first to Braves back on August 14th. Another good young pitcher for the Marlins in that August 14th start. Gave up five hits. He didn't walk three batters, hit a batter, and just two strikeouts. Doesn't strike out a ton, so hopefully we won't see as many strikeouts as we did on Monday from Braves hitters. He's allowed just five earned runs in his last 20 and two-thirds innings, but he doesn't go deep in the game, uh, which is a little difference that you see from a lot of the other Marlins starters. Mattingly has not been afraid to let his starters go deep, but especially over the last month or so, and really all year long, Braxton Garrett has been around 80 pitches and getting out of there. So maybe he won't be around long. Braves stay in the game, and maybe you can get a chance against their bullpen. Hopefully you can get going against Braxton Garrett, but he is a good pitcher, has a really good slider, uh, which when the Braves offense is struggling, that's the pitch that seems to give them the most problems. He throws it 33% of the time and has a whiff rate of 41% with that slider. So that can be bad news for the Braves if they can't lay off that slider, which is his best pitch. So got to get going. The bats got to wake up, you know, get some runs on the board, give Jake Odorizzi some cushion, and hopefully – he can get going, but it has not been great for him lately. He hasn't completed five innings since August the 28th. He's only lasted he, he only lasted four innings his last time out against the Marlins, allowed two earned on eight hits with one walk. He's walked three batters in three of his last four outings. Again, has not been very good, and unfortunately, that's just – that's just where the Braves are right now. I mean, there's no really no other options unless you're just going to do a bullpen game, which I wouldn't hate. If you wanted to start Jesse Chavez and see if he gets you two innings and then go through the bullpen, I would not hate that at all. But just one start, Jake. Give me one good start. That's all the Braves need from you right here, and hopefully they can lock up this division. I will say this. I get, I get Monday's game. You're coming off of – you know, a, a high intensity series, a late night, you know, getting back out there, playing again. I get it. It's human nature. I wish it weren't the case, but it is. You can't, you can't do that on Tuesday. You got the bullpen rested Tuesday. And if they lose Wednesday as well, has to be treated like a postseason game. If Odorizzi doesn't have it early, you got to pull the plug and go to the bullpen. You cannot afford to let this game get out of control early if Odorizzi doesn't have it. So hopefully Snicker goes back to the way he managed over the weekend with even his good starters, and he was willing to pull the plug early in the, the fifth inning. It's got to be even earlier for Odorizzi. If he is not showing signs of being able to get these Marlins hitters out early, get the bullpen up, go to your best guys, you got to win this game. I mean, you can't count on the Nats to take care of the Mets. You got to take care of your own business and you really don't want this going to the last game of the season. To me, you got to win Tuesday's game and to do that, 
I think you have to really monitor Odorizzi and his effectiveness and know if he doesn't have it, get him out of there. Go to your best bullpen bullpen arms. Shut this thing down. Give your offense a chance to win this game. And to do that, the offense has to be much better than they were on Monday night. We need to see those postseason type at bats that we saw over the weekend. So I get it. Monday, tough. Coming off a big series. Late night, I get it. Wash that away. You got to come back on Tuesday and get right back in that postseason mindset of this is a must-win game and finish this thing off, clinch this series. You can rest on Wednesday, You know, give some guys who need to throw an inning or two, and then rest up for the postseason. Get Acuna healthy. Hopefully get Strider healthy. Look, maybe even get Ozzy Albies healthy. Who knows? So, um, again, treat it. Treat Tuesday, and if you need to, Wednesday, like they are a postseason game, like this is a must-win situation because you don't want to give any hope to that Mets lineup, and you do not want your season – to be counted on by the Washington Nationals. So take care of your own business, get it done, wash away Monday, come out Tuesday, get back in that postseason mindset and finish this thing off. That would do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Thank you for making Locked On Braves your first listen of the day. Now go make your second listen, Locked On MLB podcast, where MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team, talking about the biggest stories from around the league. Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at shortstopball. Also, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 